0: Those of you who may be visiting with us, we are in a series, an important series in the life of this church. We are going through the Bible, one verse at a time, one book at a time, one verse at a time, too, picking out the pinnacle verse in each of the 66 books of the Bible. We're calling it Root 66. Amen. Does that makes sense to you. And we have arrived at milepost 31. The book of Obadiah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Obadiah, yay, it's somewhere in there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Obadiah. Obadiah 1, 17. There's one chapter in Obadiah. We're gonna stop at milepost 31, which is verse 17. Obadiah 17 says, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. This is another prophetic word of the New Testament about the new covenant. All through the Old Testament, they kept telling us there was a new day coming, that Jesus was gonna come. The first mention of him, coming was in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Thy seed shall bruise the head of the serpent. A direct reference to Jesus. All through the Old Testament, these shadows are spoken about. But now we live in the, in the bright, open light of the new covenant. Glory to God. Amen. And you see that the shadows now mean something to you. It says in Hebrews 11 that these all died in faith, meaning all the Old Testament saints, they all died in faith, not having received the promises. And you know what it goes on to say? God having prepared some better thing for us. I don't know how good they had in the Old Testament, but we we have whatever, whatever, however good it was. Ours is better, glory to God. Ours is better. Come on, tell two people, ours is better. This is a prophetic word concerning the New Testament. And I want you to notice there are three things there he promised. Deliverance, holiness, and what else? Prosperity. They're going to take their enemies' wealth from them. The possessions of the enemies are going to be theirs. I think there are people here in this room who had enough of what ain't right. Anybody here had enough of what ain't right? Right? Anybody here been robbed by the devil? The new covenant promise is that you're going to get back what the devil stole from you. And this Obadiah says that very thing. Listen to it again. But upon Mount Zion, that's you, shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen. 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 Let's talk about deliverance for a few minutes. As a believer, God has made himself obligated to get you out of trouble. How many of you have ever done anything that got you in trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Brian had two hands up like this. (laughs) Yeah, we've all gotten ourselves in trouble. And most of the time when you get in trouble, it's your own fault. Most of the time, I'm not saying every time, but most of the time, you get in trouble, it's your fault. That's been my experience anyway. Every time I got in trouble, it was Miss Anne's fault. I'm just telling you. I mean, no, my fault. No, every time you get in trouble, usually it's your fault. You did something to take you there most of the time. Not every time, but most of the time. God is not concerned about how you got there. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. He's not all that concerned about how you got in trouble. He's just concerned that you find the way out. Amen. He said, there shall be deliverance. Every time Israel got in trouble, it was because of their own rebellion and disobedience. God said, there's going to be deliverance to the house of Israel. I'm bringing deliverance. He didn't say because they started acting right. He said he's going to bring them out. Not because you started acting right, because he decided to bring you out. Amen. I, I think about God always shows you a way out. He will always show you. That is God's job to show you a way out of trouble. Deliverance is God's specialty. Do you know what Jesus' name means? Jehovah delivers. Jehovah saves. That's what Jesus means. Yeshua, Joshua, means Jehovah saves. Jehovah delivers. It's God's specialty. The devil's specialty is to put you in bondage. God's specialty is to break you free. Glory to God. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. This is good. When David realized this like no, nobody else, I guess, in the Old Testament did, he was on the battlefield one day before he was a soldier, before he was anything but a shepherd boy. He went out there, and there's Goliath, been out there bellowing 40 days at God's people. And he gets out there on the forty day, and to him it's on the 40th day, but to him it's just day one. And he hears him bellow his threats and he is fighting mad. Fighting mad. He thinks, why had not somebody done something about this? He looks around at his brothers and says, why didn't you do something? You know what he kept asking them? He kept asking them this question. For who is this Uncircumcised. Everybody say uncircumcised. Uncircumcised. Who is this guy that doesn't have a covenant? Who is this guy that does not have God on his side? Who does he think he is to be fighting you? And who do you think you are? Looks around at God's people. This guy doesn't have a covenant. You all have a covenant. You all, everyone, to be circumcised. Why are you hiding behind the bushes and letting him threaten you? David believed that the guy with the covenant. We beat the guy without a covenant every time. Yeah. Because when you're in covenant with God, you have God on your side. Right. You have God to fight for you. Amen. Deliverance is going to be in the house of Zion, it says, yeah. the house of praise. David <clears throat> told, he said, I'll go fight him. They took, took him before Saul. I want you to hear this story. They took him before Saul. And Saul said, you're not man enough to fight this guy. You're not not big enough. You're not strong enough. He's been a fighting man since his youth, and you're just a kid. Besides, have you noticed how tall he is? And this guy's bad. David said, "Uh, oh, king, live forever, but I got something to say to you. There came a lion out after one of my sheep and stole one of my sheep. I chased him down. I love the way King James says it. Smote him and slew him. Yeah. That's a nice way of saying I grabbed him, I grabbed him and beat him to death. That's right. Beat him to death. Took, took his lamb back to the, to the flock. He said another day a bear came out and stole one of my lambs. He said I treated him with the same dis, disdain and smote him and slew him too. And he said the God that delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the paw of the bear shall deliver me from this giant. That's what he said. Deliverance is God's specialty, and David knew God to be a delivering God. I think it's awesome, because I was raised on a farm in Oklahoma here. We had calves, we had pigs, we had other animals, and it's unthinkable, really, that David didn't at some time or another lose a lamb. I believe he probably lost a lamb or two. It just happens. Does it happen, Greg? This happens on the farm and ranch. Anybody else here raised on a farm or a ranch? You just lose one now and then, don't you, to the predators. Once in a while you're going to lose one. It just happens. But when David is standing before King Saul and before this giant, he says nothing about the lambs he lost. That's, right. yeah. That's no time to be thinking about your failures. That's when it's all only time to be thinking about your victories. All he will let himself think about is the times he won. And that's all he'll talk about is his victories because he's facing a bigger battle than he's ever fought before. Amen. When you're in trouble, stop thinking about the trouble you had. start thinking about your victories. Yes. Yeah. The times it worked and you won, glory to God, because that's how you'll win your next battle. Right. I told my students the other day, they said, well, what happens when you pray for somebody and they die anyway? I said, what happens when you pray for a hundred and they die? What happens when you pray for a hundred people in a row and they die? What do you do next? What do you do then? I said, you say, next. Next. Because one day it's going to kick in. You, keep, you stay in faith, one day it's going to kick in. You're going to win because deliverance is in your covenant. Glory to God. Second thing he he said is going to be there is holiness. 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 Your father gave you a spirit whose first name is Holy. He gave you a spirit that is inside you whose first name is Holy. What does that make you? Makes you holy. See the prophet here, listen to me, the prophet here He's not demanding holiness. He's not putting a demand on holiness. He's making a promise of holiness. He promises that when you get delivered, God will make you holy. Amen. Amen. He's making a promise. Holiness is your promise. God will deem you holy. Why? How can you be so sure? Because he sees you like he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus as perfect and holy in every way. And when he looks at Christ, he sees you. And what's more is when he looks at you, he sees Christ. This is a powerful thought. The Bible has three instances where holiness was an issue. And three times where it says that God wrote with his finger. He wrote three times with his finger. The first time he wrote, the Bible says that God wrote the law on the Ten Commandments on stone with his own finger. God wrote with his finger. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make it to thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father. Y'all yeah, think I can do them all? I can. I hear people talk about how much they believe in the law of God. I say, Well, tell me what the Ten Commandments are. They can't. They can't quote them. Shut up until you can quote them. You don't love the law if you would. If you did, you'd memorize it. I memorized it. I'm a grace guy. <laughs> I'm glad to know what I've been delivered from. Amen. 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 But the Bible. It says that God wrote that law with his own finger. That's early on in the book, Exodus 20. But then something else happens. Late in the book, we just went through the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 5, God writes again a message to Belshazzar. Belshazzar was having a, a drunken celebration. Party with all his women and all of his wine. And he looks up and sees a handwriting on the wall. you have heard this story, right? It says, if Many, many, M-E-N-E, M-E-N-E, Tekel, you Many, many, Tekel, you Which means, you've been, the, the Tekel part is the main part. You have been weighed in the balance. And found wanting, found lacking. And Euphorius says, I'm going to separate the kingdom from your hands. Talking to Belshazzar. The judgment upon man was swift and severe. That night, Belshazzar died. And Darius, king of the Persians, came in and took over. That's when the Babylonian kingdom fell. That night. That very night. Many, many, take away your You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. So God had a law of holiness at the, in the beginning of the book. And at the end of the book, men were not able to keep it. You've been weighed and found wanting. One more time, God writes with his finger in John chapter 8. Jesus stooped down Wrote on the stones on the floor. We don't know what he was writing, but I think he was writing his answer. They brought a woman in John chapter 8 to him who had been taken in adultery. Been taken in, in adultery. Jesus stooped down, started writing with his finger on the stones. The stones indicative of the law but he writes a whole different message from thou shalt not and you are weighed in the balance and found wanting all three times the writing was on stone the last time Jesus wrote the cornerstone wrote he wrote because we I, I guess he looked up at the woman and saw all the men gone they said we we're supposed to stone this woman he said well whoever's without sin cast the first stone go ahead I'll be right here watching. They all dropped the rocks and split because they thought about, you know, he might have been writing their girlfriend's names there. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Did he write Susie there? I I thought he wrote Susie. They all left, and the woman says, she's standing there shivering, you know, probably holding it bedclothes around her as it's been depicted in many movies Jesus looked up and says woman where are your accusers I have none Lord Jesus said what did he say neither do I condemn you go and sin no more wait a minute deliverance neither do I condemn you holiness go and sin no more the third thing is possessions. Third thing is possessions. Prosperity. Proverbs 13 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the wicked, the wealth of the sinner, is laid up for the just. This is why God doesn't want you coveting. How many of you have ever coveted, and be honest? I have. I had a friend that bought a Corvette. I wanted that car. And God told me, he said, John, I can get you a car, but I can't reward you for coveting his car. And I got over it. I let, I let, this guy's name was John too. I said, I said John, you're going to keep your car. I'm going to get over. it." He just knew that was my favorite car in the world. I'm not really not really a Chevrolet guy, but love that Corvette. You've got to love the Corvette. Man. A few weeks later, a guy walks into church, pitches me some keys. And he had given me a 1976 Stingray, Corvette Stingray, an old one. a brand new patent job on it. And oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather have that than the new one, you know, that old car. Drove that thing around out on the country roads like a maniac. And then my son said, I want that car. And you know what happened? I gave it to him. He still has it. You don't have to covet what everybody else has. Your God can give you anything you desire. Listen to me. Every every commandment there in the Ten Commandments is there because it hurts somebody if you do it. You kill somebody, even even if you kill them painlessly, you hurt them, you hurt their family, you hurt people. You steal from them, you hurt them. You lie to them, you've hurt them. But if you covet your neighbor's Corvette, that's a blessing to your neighbor. <laughs> he he wants, that's why he parks the thing in, the, in his driveway for you to look at. He can put it in the garage, but he wants it out there where you can see it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh, that's awesome. Good job. <laughs> yeah, he puts it out there so you can look at the thing. Yeah. He wants you to covet. It's a blessing to him when you covet his stuff. Right. Why would God say don't do it then? Why would God say don't do it? Because it sets your heart wrong. Yeah, right. Makes you believe God cannot provide for you and your neighbor at the same time. You don't need what somebody else says. You know how religious people cloak that? They say, if they see a preacher get a jet airplane, like Brother Copeland has a jet airplane. They say, I don't think a preacher needs all that. That money could have been, that money could have been used to, to buy food for poor people. That's where they talk. How wouldn't they use that money to buy Bibles? Like God doesn't have enough money to go around. That's where they talk. The only guy in the Bible that ever talked like that was Judas. That's right. The only guy in the Bible that ever talked like that was Judas. When the woman broke the alabaster box over Jesus, Judas is the one that said that money could have been sold, that could have been sold and the money given to the poor. It's not religious to say that. It's not even smart to say that. It's stupid to say that, because the only guy in the Bible that ever talked like that was Judas. The guy that betrayed Jesus. You're not helping God out. That's a form of covetousness, wanting what somebody else has. No matter what you say, you're going to do with it. Wanting what somebody else has, despising them for what they have. That's covetousness. Yeah. Let's bless everybody. Yeah. Let's say we want everybody wealthy. Come on, why can't we just all be wealthy? Why can't all God's people have more than enough, more than enough? Yeah. Would you rather have more than enough than just enough? Yeah. Would you rather have more than? We're not Canadians. We're Americans, praise God. We want more than enough. Amen. <laughs> the Canadians want just enough, you know. God said you can have more than enough. Prosperity. The, the wealth of the wicked is lit up for the just. I want to move along a little bit. Mile post 32. I'm going to talk about Jonah. Jonah has four chapters. The first chapter is man runs from God. Chapter two, in the belly of the whale, the man runs to God. Chapter three, he's back at Nineveh. Man runs with God. In chapter four, he's mad that God didn't kill him. Man runs ahead of God. That's Jonah in a nutshell. But it all centers around really one verse of scripture. Why Nineveh did not die. Why they were not overthrown. It's Jonah 3 and verse 5. We hear all about Jonah and Nineveh and Nineveh's repentance. And hear me, they did repent. But it was predicated upon something. Verse 5 of chapter 3 says And Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth, and from the greatest of them even to the least of them. What that means is faith fixed their sin problem and drove them to repentance. Faith is all that counts. Because you can repent your guts out and stay in unbelief and die unnecessarily. Judas repented. But he wasn't in faith when he did it. He repented and killed himself. He was not in faith. He was in great regret. Great regret. But not in faith. When you're in faith, repentance, if you need repentance, faith is the the automatic, the thing that makes the repentance come automatically. When you get in faith, glory to God, you can believe God for anything. But everything with God starts with faith. Your life, you've got to write this down someplace. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly hear and confess. Miss Ann is a stickler, as our pastor here today. This is our Pastor Appreciation Sunday. She is a stickler about this. I try to be. I am most of the time. But you know, you think with your wife you can let your guard down a little bit. No, I can't. Maybe you can let your guard down with your wife, but I can't let my guard down with my wife. She's a bulldog when it's confession stuff. Well, I said something negative. She said, yeah, mm-hmm. You want, to, you, want, you want me to agree with you about that? No, don't agree with me about that. i to stop saying it then. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> She's a stickler about how she talks. That's why... She won't talk bad about anybody that she knows. And loves. Oh, she talks bad about the president, <laughs> and Donald Trump, yeah. <laughs> Hillary. Talks bad about all of them because she's an American. Hmm. We're scared. We're scared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I've never found a woman who is stronger in faith than this woman right here. The way she prays. When we came here, I told the board I, I would come. But I said, you guys know what I'm like. I mean, I, I've traveled a lot and I've got an apostolic ministry and I work full time at CF&I. Frank Feet said, Well, Pastor John, that's all well and good. We're glad you're coming, but we're really more excited that Miss Anna's coming than, than you. I said that to my face. I said, Well, okay. They had already tasted the, the faith that she lived in, walked in, the way she prayed. Because if you, if you don't have a pastor that knows how to pray, you don't really have a pastor. You don't have a pastor that knows how to pray. You don't have a pastor. Miss Anne doesn't beg God for anybody. She reminds God of his promises for everybody. And I've been, a, been blessed to have her in my life. Not just as my wife, but now as my Pastor. Amen. You think your life is hard, try living with your pastor. It's mostly a blessing. She's a marvelous cook, but she never has time to cook much anymore because of y'all. She's, anyway, anyway. <laughs> She's always pastoring the church. And I honor you today, Miss Ann. Amen. I love you so much. Aww, so cool. Glad to have you in my life. <laughs> faith has seeds of, of words, faith has seeds that are words. The Word of God is a seed that produces faith. I uh, think about your heart is designed to grow the Word of God. It's designed to grow faith in you. When you hear the Word it goes into your heart, as a seed. It produces faith in your heart. And faith can move mountains. Faith can do anything. Hear me. When this seed goes into your, into your life. Into your good soil of the, the good soil of your heart, that means it's going to produce whatever kind of seed went into you. You're designed to grow things. You're just like your heart is just like the like, like the soil out there. Anybody here know why fence posts rot? Why do fence posts rot? Because the ground is designed to grow things. And you put something in it that won't grow, it's going to kill it or make it grow. i never seen a fence to grow, but I've seen them die on the bottom because the, that part that's in that soil gets eaten up because the soil is designed to grow things. You put something dead in it, it's going to kill it. So here's what I say to you. Keep pouring in the seed of, seed of the Word and it will choke out everything else. Your heart will grow the seeds of faith and it'll choke out all your doubts. Keep pouring in the word, it'll choke out all your unbelief. Keep pouring in the word, it'll choke out all your fears. Praise God. Your faith will go and grow. I want you to turn to Micah 6, 8 and I'm done for the the day. What time is it? 11.30. I'm getting hungry. Milepost 33 is Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Justice, mercy, and humility. God says he, he requires these things. These are not suggestions, these are requirements. Justice, mercy, and humility. I need to see a couple of guys. Who had, uh, Vincent, come up here, please. Who has a jacket on? need another guy with a jacket. Bring it, bring it up here yeah can you come i need i need a i need a, need a man in it or somebody in it all right, come on up here, brother Get him fixed up Vincent all right now Shea has his coat Vincent has his coat. Is this just is this justice? Huh? Yes. Yeah. That's just. You have yours. You have yours. Amen. Yeah, amen. All right, now. Vincent, let's take your coat off. Let's pretend like Shea has two coats. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't put it on. Let's just, let me just stick it on you. I just want to stick it on your shoulder. Hold it. You're going to say, Shay has two coats. Be real careful how you answer. Is this just? Yes, no. Yes, it is. Why is it not just? It is just. Why, why is it unjust for a man to have two coats and a guy to have no coat? Why is it unjust? Not. What are you, a communist? <laughs> no, this is, this is justice. This is justice. This is not mercy. Correct. This is justice. It's justice if this guy got this coat legally. It's his. It's just as just for him to have two and this guy to have none. That's justice. Yeah. If he has none, he has one. That's justice. If he, got it, if he got it the way he should get it. We're not communists. God's not a communist. Amen. 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 But God requires more than justice. God requires the next level is what? Mercy. mercy. Did you hear me, Shay? Yes. God requires mercy. Mercy. If God's requiring mercy of you, and you see a guy without a coat and you have two, what are you gonna do? Take him back. Yeah, give him the coat back. There you go. That's mercy. (laughs) Hang on, we're not done. Now Shay, let me have your coat. act like now there's just one coat between them is this just just yes. God requires justice god requires humility uh, mercy too and you saw mercy lived out and god requires something even more than that god requires humility that is deeming someone else Better than yourself. Their opinion higher, Their opinion higher than your own. Yes. Their well-being higher than your own. This is why faith works the way it does. Because you, uh, you accept God's opinion of you being healed more than you accept your body's opinion of being sick. Right. Faith is humility in action. Yes. So what are we going to do here now that God requires humility? God re- requires humility and there's just one coat between the two guys and the blizzard is coming, what are you gonna do? I guess I'm gonna give you my coat, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is humility God requires. I say, we're just playing. We're, we're, we're just playing. He, he's not really giving you your you coat. I'm, <laughs> no, no. Justice, mercy, Humility, God requires it. Now, I want you to quickly turn to Matthew 23, 23. Thank you, guys. You can give your coach back. Give him a big hand. Give him a big hand. Thank you. Good job. Um, I I, I want you to pray for me. Okay. Can I pray for you after the service? No, now. Not right now? (laughs) Yes, now. I'm going to get up. Come, Come up here, please. Can we do this after the service? Yes, please. Let's do it after the service. Okay. Good job, Shay. Good job, Shay. Matthew 23, 23 says, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and scribes. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment. Or justice, mercy, and faith—the only place I find justice, mercy, and one other one other thing—is in Micah 6:8. Jesus called it the weightier matters of the law. Micah called it the things God requires. I'm fully convinced that Peter, that Jesus was quoting Micah. Yes. But he told us what real humility is. Real humility is faith. These ought you to to have done. He said you should tithe and not leave the other undone. Justice, mercy, and faith. or humility. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and grace. Thank you for this powerful word today that we have here in these three mile posts. That you've given us the blessing of deliverance, holiness, prosperity. That you've given us the ability to believe you. Because we know faith starts with everything, everything starts with God with faith. And that our lives will go in the direction of that which we truly believe. Thank you, Father dear for showing us how easy it is to get it in our hearts what you require. Justice, mercy, and humility or as Jesus put it, justice, mercy, and faith. Bless these here in this house today. Bless them with the understanding of the Word of God today. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ that every person here will receive what they need from you today. I pray for those who are in this room today, Jesus, that do not know you. By your power, I pray that you will show yourself strong to them. And be the kind of God who brings deliverance, because that's what your name means. I pray for those who are struggling with sin today. Those who are struggling with the issues of life today. That you'll help them to come to know you. Use their faith and believe God for salvation today. With your heads bowed just for a moment, everyone, please. I want to ask you, are you here today needing salvation? Are you here today in need of a Savior? Because He will be your Savior. He was already your Savior 2,000 years ago. The invitation goes out not for Him to die again, but for you to believe that His death was once and for all for you. Would you lift a hand and say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me because I want to be saved today. I want to know that if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. Signify by raising your hands and I'll pray for you and God will meet you right where you are and you'll be saved today. You need to know He loves you. God bless you. He loves you just like you are. He's about to turn everything around for you. You're going to be a new creature. God bless you. Thank you. You're never going to be the same. If you believe this gospel which says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That means that, means that God has already done everything he's going to take to fix your sin problem. And he says to you to come now. Just believe in. Come in your heart. Let's all pray this prayer together and help these who raise their hands. If you raised your hand today, be sure you open your mouth and say these words. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to save me. I'm turning from my past. I'm turning to you, Jesus. Come live in my heart. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were buried And I believe you rose again the third day and you did it all for me. Now I receive you, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. And I believe that you now live inside me and that I'm a new creature. And I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.